Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way. The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great to have you with us on the show today. This will be a fun one. Sal Palantonio today, Charlie Casserly today. Matt Catrillo today. Sounds like an impressive lineup, doesn't it? I'm very excited for this 4 o'clock hour today. Yeah. Get it done. And uh, we were setting up the Sunbury Motor Studio for Saturday this morning. And uh, we are hooked into the uh, Penn State Sports Network. We will do the show Saturday. We'll talk about the uh, virtual... Tailgate, the replay of the 2016 game, which will be on Facebook. Um, I was interviewed about that this morning and did my part there. Got this set up for this. Uh, James Franklin will be on the show Saturday, by the way. And uh, in all likelihood, it looks like he'll be in the 2 o'clock to 2.30 half hour. Okay, So that's what we have going on. So, yeah, we have, uh, we have plenty going on. As a matter of fact, I know you're excited about the hour. Um, you've got a series of questions I know that you want me to ask. Um, <laughs> now, Sal is going to be focused on the Eagles, the Jets, Giants, and Ravens. Does that sound correct? That's correct. Charlie's focused on everybody, but I want to ask him specifically about the Steelers and the and the Eagles. I think that's uh, the area we're going to concentrate on with him, correct? You got it. Yeah, so that's what we're going to do today. Looking forward to having both of them on. And uh, yeah, I want to talk, but I also want to talk to Charlie about you know what's it like to be in the arena. I mean, what's what's it like to be the one in the arena making the pick? Uh, it's one thing to sit in Ward 4 in Danville and criticize. <clears throat> I don't know who that might be. 
Dyer, I could have done it better, much better. How could you possibly pick Peyton Manning? I'd have picked Ryan Leaf. <laughs> uh, the uh, but it's going to be fun to, to do all this. It really is. And uh, then we got more coming up. We got we got more people coming up uh, to talk about all this and more. Uh, it's got some interesting notes. Let's get into uh, some interesting. Notes. By the way, Mac Hippenhammer did choose a school. He's going to go to Miami of Ohio. So I thought we'd at least pass that along. And I know he's no longer part of the Penn State football program, but still doesn't mean people don't care, because they do care uh, very much about what happens, what goes on. And we've got, uh, this is an interesting story. There's two interesting stories I want to get to on the college side. Number one, I think some people saw the story about uh, Dr. Fauci saying, look, no fans this summer. He doesn't think, and so forth. Uh, I think the PGA Tour wants to start up, though, on June 12th. No fans, but the PGA Tour wants to restart on June 12th. Uh, They made that announcement. In fact, they even announced a tour as to what they're going to do this summer, where they're going, and which tournaments uh, they're going to play. So they've done that. And... We'll see how this plays out. Uh, The number here today in Center County, by the way, is 72. So it's up two from yesterday. But it's up two for the last total for the last five days. It stayed at 70 for like three or four days in a row. I think it was three days in a row it was at 70. One, two, three. Maybe it was four days in a row at 70. And now it's at 72. Uh that's here in Center County. The numbers there where you are, Matt, pretty much have stayed pretty close to stable, right? Yeah, actually, t- today was one of the better days. Uh, Northumberland County still had a little bit of a an addition with eight new today, up to 53, I think it is, 50, 56, something like that. Um, and, but then the rest of the counties, none in Montour, none in Union, none new today, yeah. and only one more new in Snyder. So not bad overall. And the second straight day, we had statewide over 1,100. So I think... Those are definitely signs of encouragement there, but we're obviously far from out of the woods yet. Yeah, uh, college uh, football playoff management committee uh, talked with Vice President Mike Pence today. And uh, Bob Bowlesby, the Big 12 commissioner, said our players are students. If we're not in college, we're not having contests. He said our message was simple. We need to get universities and colleges back open and that we were education-based programs and we weren't going to have sports until we had something closer to normal college going on. Now, this goes back directly, by the way, to, I mean, Sandy Barber said essentially the same thing, and you heard Sandy say it on this show, that if it's safe uh, for students, it's safe for athletes. So let's just see how this all plays out. I think it's pretty obvious here at Penn State. Now, we know we're we're finishing up with Zoom classes 
Uh, the beginning of May, uh, the last week of classes here is April 27th. Uh, May 1st is the last day of classes, and then finals week starts on May 4th. Okay. Everybody knows that. Uh, the, then the first six-week session, let's face it. I mean, I think everyone expects it to stay the way it is right now. Now, when you get to the latter part of June... Uh, what's that week? Is it June 27, 28? That's the next six-week session, something like that, right around that neighborhood. Now let's see what they want to do with it because, again, that is two and a half months away. Do you feel comfortable about having people in class? If you do, now you feel like you've made an important step. Making that assumption now, you have to make plans now. Again, I keep going back to make the best-case scenario plan, make the worst-case scenario plan, come up with a couple, three other plans in between. Okay? So you have to sit there, and you, that's how you have to go about it. What's the best-case scenario plan? What's the worst-case scenario plan? Then when are some contingencies in between. That's how you have to go about it. And that's how people are going about it. You can't assume when everything's going to open. Um, the news this week, let's see. We knew the news at the beginning, the first week of April, was going to be bad, right? I mean, on that Monday, what did we say on the show? We said what everybody else said. It's going to be a bad week. And it was. Right? Then the second week of April. What did we say? That it would start out as a bad week, but we might start to see some signs, right? Well, two for two. Now we're now we're into this week, and we're we're seeing some of those signs. Is it perfect? Of course, it's not perfect. Of course, it's not perfect. But we are seeing some signs of a turn. Uh, when they went through the charts the other day. And I'm always interested in when, uh, what Dr. Burks does with the charts. Maybe it's the Penn Stater and me watching the Penn Stater with the charts. I don't know. Uh, but I get a real feel when she starts going through data. And obviously, we know New York's bad. We know New Jersey's bad. We, we got that. Uh, but we've also seen some signs of levels and turns. It looked like Chicago and Boston were the true trouble areas, but all the other metro areas, well, you know, obviously each one has some problems. We're all in the bottom, like the bottom part of the chart. And it was a numbers-based chart. So we're seeing some, some signs, which is good. And I think we'll see better signs when we go into next week. I think we're at the, so predicting where we are on Mother's Day, then predicting where we are on Memorial Day, and predicting where we are on Father's Day. You know, let's just see how each week progresses. We may be getting better news when we get to May first. We may be getting better news when it's Mother's Day, right? Now, if you want really bad news then forget Mother's Day, okay? 
if you want to keep your life sane, remember Mother's Day, okay? <laughs> just just a message from this station and the Ad Council. Uh, <laughs> now, so now predicting what is what's it going to be like in July and August, to me, that's like throwing darts. It's just like... It, Everything goes in stages. And as you know, I've always been a one step at a time person. We talk specifically on the show because we try to read a lot. We try to watch a lot. We try to, you know, you know, don't just show up and go, hey, where's Tua going to get picked? I can do that for a couple hours a day, yes. But like everybody else, I'm, I'm trying to be locked in and dialed in as to what's going on here and trying to read or watch as much as I can so I feel like I'm informed. And we made no bones about it. The first week of April was going to be bad. Second week was going to be start out really bad, but then we might see some signs. Well, we did. Now we're seeing more signs, positive signs. It doesn't mean it's perfect because it is not. So predicting where it's going to be in two weeks, let alone two months, all it is is a guess. It's a guess. So you take, and that's why I take things a step at a time. Step at a time. I think that's very important. And try not to get too far ahead here. Now, if I'm on a planning committee, well, yeah, now I have to. I have to make plans. That's why I go back to the worst case, best case, and plans in between. That's their job to examine all that. All right, what's the best case scenario, guys? What's the worst-case scenario? All right. Okay, what if things end up in between? How do we handle that? And that's how you have to do it. Um, I'll say this. People will be aching to see sports on TV. And like I said, the PGA Golf Tour already has a plan. And I think their plan was to start their first tournament is June 12th. Uh, Next... uh, when it comes to college sports, there are certain rules in college sports in FBS football. And one of them is, in order to get to an FBS bowl, you have to be eligible to play. And there are certain levels of eligibility for schools. Number one, you must carry a minimum of 16 sports. And number two, you must have an average attendance of 15,000. Well, some of the smaller conferences have petitioned the NCAA asking them to waive some of the criteria, specifically about the attendance part, and number two, about the number of sports. And by the way, they won it over a four-year period. So that was in the news today. Next is this one, dealing with the G League. G League, which is not going to play until next season. But 24-7 Sports put out an interesting article today. We've talked about this before, but it's worth reiterating. The idea of elite high school players going the professional path rather than college is nothing new, but there's growing buzz that a new route is emerging in the G League. While the NBA G League is yet to officially sign a high school prospect, they haven't done it yet, 
the option is becoming more intriguing and potentially more lucrative to high school prospects. G League announced their intentions of creating a program that would harbor prospects that opted out of college. The salary release to try and entice potential players was 125000 Sources have indicated the 24-7 sports of the G League is now willing to pay more for the right prospects. And, of course, we're in the age right now, the worldwide pandemic. Last year, R.J. Hampton went from high school, and I think, I want to say Hampton played in New Zealand. New Zealand or Australia, one of the two. And Lamella Ball played in Australia. In fact, he now, I think, owns part of the team. And now they're going to be eligible for this year's or this summer's NBA draft. Well, they say they're... Tomorrow, there's a prospect named Jalen Green who's making an announcement at 1 o'clock tomorrow on his Instagram page. Memphis and Auburn are considered to be the main college suitors, but there are multiple industry sources that believe the G League is actually the favorite to land Green, and he's considered to be the number three player in the 2020 class. Interesting. The league has been aggressively scouting and meeting with prospects for the past two years, and now it appears they might have a breakthrough. Very interesting. Great to have you with us on the show today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf at Sunbury Motors. Service department is open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us. Brought to you by Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And the Sunbury Motors Service Department is open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Great to have you with us on the show today. All right, uh, next half hour, Sal Palantonio. Final half hour, Charlie Casserly. Uh, Terry Smith, corners, and also the great job he's done in recruiting. He had an opportunity to talk with the uh, media today, starting with Rich Scarcello, who's been a great friend of this show. Thanks for your time. I hope you and your family are well. Thank you. Yes, we are. Great. Terry, can you um, can you discuss uh, what you saw last season from the development of the two young guys, Keaton Ellis and Marquise Wilson, and and what you expect from them uh, when the season begins? Yeah, with uh, Keaton and Marquise, you know, obviously they played a lot of football for us as true freshmen. Uh, their development throughout the season. Uh, they just continue to get better and better. Um, you know, obviously, you know, in the bowl game, Marquise had a, a critical interception late in the game uh, that helped us, you know, in that game. 
you know, we're really looking forward to those guys. We, we see them both as major contributors. They're both battling uh, for that other starting corner position. Um, their development through the offseason, you know, they had a great winter um, leading into the spring. They're, they're both hitting the weight room really hard. Uh, they're very conscientious guys. They, they're, they know the system well. I'm looking forward to, you know, when we have the opportunity to get back out on the field and see those two guys continue to develop. Next up is Frank Bodani, York Daily Record. Hi, Coach. How you doing today? Good to, good to talk to you. Yes, sir. Um, I wanted to ask you about, actually, Lamont Wade. I know he's a safety now. He, he started with you. But can you talk about maybe how you've seen his growth and the impact that a guy like that has, not just on his position, but your position and the rest of the defense? Yeah, Lamont has grown tremendously, you know, from the, the time he walked in as a freshman, um, you know, playing right away. Um, you know, his maturity is at a different level. His leadership is at a different level. And, you know, he's truly the leader of the entire secondary. You know, we, we meet separately, corners and safeties, but when we come together, he's the leader of the group. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to, you know, you know Lamont is probably going to be a captain of the team. Um, he's, he's the voice of our defense. You know, his, his growth has been tremendous in the sense of, he now knows exactly who he is, what strengths and weaknesses. He knows what he needs to work on and develop. Um, he's become a really good football player for us. He had a great season for us last year. And, you know, we're just looking forward to, to his senior year just uh, exploding and, and doing some great things for us. Next up is Mark Brennan, Lions 247. Hi, Terry. I wonder if you could also touch on uh, Joey Porter Jr. And, and Daquan and kind of how you saw them come along, especially Daquan, because we didn't see him at all last year. And can you also touch on that class in general to bring in four cornerbacks kind of of that caliber in one class? What did that kind of mean to the program? Yeah, you know, starting with Joey Porter, you know, obviously he, he brings great length, great athleticism, um, you know, excited to see his growth you know, from freshman redshirt year to, you know, now repeating the freshman year uh, athletically. Uh, he's done a great job off the field. He's, he's picked up the system. Um, I think he's in the mix as well for that starting position. Uh, you know, we played him in the four games that we were allowed to play him, and, you know, he showed up and he, he made some plays, and, you know, he nearly had a, a nice interception at the Maryland game. So just looking forward to him continuing to progress. Uh, Daquan Hardy, you know, was one of our uh, scout team players of the year. You know, had a great offseason. You know, he's, he's picked up 14, 15 pounds. Uh, he's bigger. He's stronger. He's faster. He's super smart. He's probably one of the smarter guys in the room. Uh, he continues to develop. You know, he's going to have an opportunity to play some at our star position. Uh, and I'm looking forward to him com competing as well. You know, when you talk about the whole group to bring in four guys, you know, we, we really feel like we, we hit it great with all four guys. Usually when you bring four in, one or two won't, aren't quite what you think they're going to be or what you thought they were going to be. Uh, we, we feel fantastic with all four of them. feel like all four are going to develop into, to, you know, major contributors for us. 
whether they're the starter or not, they're going to be guys that are going to play a lot of football, whether it be special teams. Uh, I tend to rotate my guys quite a bit um, from past history. So, you know, those guys, you're going to see the field quite a bit. Next up is Audrey Snyder, The Athletic. Hey, Terry, good morning, and thanks for your time. Um, kind of going along, along those lines, rotating guys and all these new faces, um, where does Donovan Johnson kind of factor into all of this? Because obviously he got hurt last year. Yeah, so Donovan is a uh, he's a major factor in that as well. You know, he, he's played a lot of football up until his injuries. You know, unfortunately for him, the last two seasons have been marred with injury. You know, but prior to that, he was right there in the mix. He's very talented. He's very skilled, uh, knowledgeable, experienced. So he's in the mix, you know, and, and prayerfully, you know, he, he's completely 100% healthy and nothing happens going forward. But, but he's got an opportunity and coming into once we get back to ball, I mean, he's, he's going to be the first guy on the field to, to play and compete, and then we'll see how this thing shakes out. It's, it's a great thing for us, especially in my room. I've got quite a few guys that I feel can contribute, you know, so we have great competition, which means these guys got to show up every day and perform day in and day out through practice and through games. Bob Flounders, Penn Live. Hi, Terry. Thanks for your time today. Thank you. Terry, I wondered, uh, from a coaching perspective, can you talk a little bit about um, – the stress that Kirk Shiraka's offense puts on uh, your cornerbacks. You saw a little bit, a little bit of it when you guys played the Gophers uh, in November. I know it's different uh, at Penn State, uh, but can you talk a little bit about what his offense kind of does in terms of putting stress uh, on the cornerbacks? And also, what's it like without Sean Spencer this year? Yeah, so Kirk Soraka, you know, obviously, if you can't beat him, we had to bring him to us to join us. So uh, what a fantastic offensive mind. Um, you know, we're excited to have Kirk here, you know, in that game, uh, you know, preparing for Minnesota and preparing for Kirk's offense. You know, he has a strong RPO game. And with the RPO game, it, it limits your your underneath help for the secondary. So your box players, your linebackers, and your, your defensive line, they're connected to the line of scrimmage because they got to play run first. And now it leaves your corners and your safeties out there on islands. And the receivers have a lot more, you know, two-way goes with no underneath presence from the linebackers. So that puts a lot of stress on you, you know. And, you know, when, you, when you're in, in zone coverage and you're having zone eyes to the quarterback and he's receivers are snapping their routes in front of you and you don't have the presence of a linebacker underneath you it's, it's stress you know and and as you can see you know we had a, a tough tough day that day um you know so like I said we're, we're going to continue to work on that and, and prepare for that and, and get our guys in better position uh when you play the RPO game it, it's more like playing like Army West Point. It's 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 option football. It's you you have to play your responsibility, and you can't get caught peeking another direction. Otherwise, they're going to make you pay for that thing. So, you know, your answer your second question, uh, Coach Spencer. You know, obviously, Coach Spencer is a great personality. Uh, he was the life of our our defensive staff and our defensive unit, and you know, we miss him dearly. 
Uh, he had a tremendous opportunity with the Giants to progress his career, so we're really, really happy for him. Uh, we brought in a guy, you know, John Scott, who we feel that we won't miss a beat. You know, John has NFL experience. He's coming from the SEC. He's bringing a different type of flavor and energy that, that we've welcomed and the players have welcomed, and we're excited about the opportunity for him to take us to, to new heights and to, you know, make us a better defense. Next up is John Patishnock, HappyLA.com. Hey, good morning, Terry. Thanks for the time, and glad to hear that you and your family are doing well. Thank you. Hey, there's always been a lot of discussion about what Penn State football means to this community and to the entire Commonwealth, especially with what we're going through. Can you describe the role that you think the football program can play in bringing people together once we get through these stay-at-home orders and the initial wave of this virus? Yeah, you know, obviously we're, we're, we're all dealing with some tough times and, you know, just a new way of life. Uh, and, and we're all in this together. You know, we're, we're super thankful for, you know, all the volunteers out there, all the medical staff that are, you know, putting themselves at risk to, to help the community. And, uh, you know, yeah, Penn State football, you know, we're, we're a major factor in our community. And we know that we, we take on that responsibility and, you know, once we get back to, you know, being able to be on campus and football can move forward, you know, we're, we're looking to contribute in a community where we can. Um, you know, there's two things that bring communities together, and it's tragedy and it's sports. And, and for our community, Penn State football is that, that bond. And, you know, we're, we're going to love on each other. We're going to rally around our community. We're going to rally around Penn State Nation and, uh, and, and just try to, to, to receive all the love and give all the love and try to get our community back to, you know, thriving and happiness and, you know, get Happy Valley back to happy. Next up is Donnie Collins, Times Tribune. Hey, Coach. Thanks for doing this today. Um, just wondering about uh, your assessment of uh, Tariq Castro-Fields' performance last year and how much are you guys kind of counting on him to, to be the leader of that group this year? Yeah, so Tariq, you know, um, the, the big thing with Tariq, you know, obviously he's the leader of the corner room. You know, we're looking forward to Tariq having a great offseason and Tariq, you know, uh, not to put pressure on him, needs to have a great year for us. We, we need a lockdown corner that can handle the best receiver of whoever our opponent is. And, you know, we, we expect Tariq to be that guy. Uh, his season last year was almost like two different seasons. The first half of the season, he came out the gate looking like a first-round draft pick. He was played very well, and then he suffered an injury. And from that injury on – he was a different player. He wasn't as confident. He wasn't as uh, sure of himself. Uh, and because of the injury, you know, and, and not to make an excuse, and he knows and recognizes it, and we've talked about it. And, you know, it's one of our off-season plans and goals for himself is to make sure that he can be more consistent throughout the season. You know, obviously the first half of the season, he played exactly how we wanted him to play. And in the second half, you know, football is a, a physical sport. The injuries are going to come. The, the peaks and the valleys are going to come. But we have to remain consistent through all of that and, and perform the same way, you know, play in and play out. And so he understands that, you know, and there's, there's no added pressure to him because it's something he wants for himself. You know, he, he wants to be a first-round draft pick. And so along with that comes a great responsibility of, 
covering the best receiver or the other the, the, the opponent and, and performing at a high level, making the play when you need to make the play. And, you know, our other goal for him is, you know, he's a good cover corner, but now it's time to not just be a good cover corner, go make plays as a cover corner, you know, get, get the ball back, make interceptions, force fumbles, you know, make big game-changing plays where it impacts the game and gets the ball back to our offense so those guys can go down and score touchdowns. Next up is Nubias Wilbar, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Hey, Terry, how are you doing, man? Very well, thanks. Good, good. Um, question for you. I guess um, where are you guys looking? You mentioned Tariq, but what other areas are you looking for to improve in the passing game? There are some times where you guys seem to get exploited a little bit there. Where are some areas you guys looking to get better? What are, what are you working on even in this process? Yeah, well, o overall, you know, when you look into our zone schemes, you know, the, the underneath coverage from our linebackers got to get better. You know, there's often times through play action, we just talked about the RPOs, you know, when, when there's any mesh with the quarterback in the back, our, our backers can't be stepping into the line of scrimmage, you know, and, it, and it, it, we have to make sure we get our drops. We got to have better zone vision, better eye vision from our, our secondary. Uh, and then we got to have better communication. You know, there's times, I think it was the Rutgers game, we completely blew a coverage and guys running down the middle of the field wide open. That can't happen. I mean, no matter how we look at it, that can never happen. So our communication has to get better. Um, you know, the one thing that we did really, really well was, you know, we were, I think, third in the nation in least touchdown passes given up. So, you know, we gave up a lot of pass yards this year, which we're going to fix that. Um, but the one thing we did well was we didn't give up home runs over the top. We made teams earn their points, and teams couldn't earn their points against us. And, you know, we want to remain stout up front in the run game, but we got to get the pass game to match it. Next up is Greg Pickle, Penn Live. Hey, good morning, Coach. I was just curious if you could assess where you think you guys are from a recruiting standpoint. You've had a nice little run here that could continue, but based on where you normally would be under, of course, normal circumstances at this time of year heading into the blue-white game uh, in a hypothetical sense compared to past years, how would you just assess how things have gone so far and what the outlook is for the class of 2021 here moving forward? Yeah, I think we're doing a fantastic job right now. You know, we're, we're really happy where we are. You know, we've, we've gotten some good commits here in the last week. We're, we're anticipating maybe a couple more coming up here. Um, you know, we're, we're probably a little bit ahead of schedule. Usually the, the blue-white weekend, we, we grab a few, and then it kind of snowballs. You know, the, the, the commitments kind of run in rally. So you get one, you usually get two or three, and then you get a little law, and then you make a little run again. And, and usually that starts right around that blue-white weekend. So... You know, it started a week earlier, and, uh, you know, we're really happy, though. You know, we're working really hard. You know, obviously, everyone is working remotely from home, and so, to me, the, the, the recruiting has really picked up. Like, it's it's super busy. I'm, you know, from the time I wake up, I'm on my phone to the time I lay down and just say, enough is enough, I got to go to sleep. Uh, you're just constantly recruiting and communicating with prospects and you know, and it's been great. You know, there's there's a lot of great prospects out there interested in Penn State. And, you know, this year is going to be a smaller class. You know, last year we took a huge class. And, and so, you know, you're going to cut almost 10 guys 
difference from last year's class to this year's class. So we got to be a little bit more particular to what we want. And, um, but it's been great. You know, we're, we're doing a, a really good job on offense, defense, and, you know, we got a couple special teams guys that we're, we're looking for as well. Tyler Donahue, Lions 247. Good morning, Terry. Thank you for your time. Thanks. Um, we talked a lot about the young cornerbacks. One guy who's leaving, who spent a lot of time playing for you, is John Reed. We're coming up on the NFL draft here in a couple weeks. He, he seemed to really do well for himself out in Indianapolis, didn't have the pro day like everybody else. You get a call right now from an NFL front office executive, and they say, why are we taking John Reed in the NFL draft? What's, what's your answer? My answer is John Reed has the best feet in the draft of any corner out there. Um, John Reed is smarter than anybody out there. John Reed's going to work extremely hard. Um, you know, he has an engineering degree. Um, you know, football is important to him. You know, it's, it's, it's how he wants to feed his family. Um, John Reed is a great cover guy. You know, this year he worked tremendously on improving his tackling. As a junior, he struggled as a tackler. And this year he, he led our team in missed tackle percentage. Um, so he knows where his weaknesses are and where his strengths are. And, you know, John's projected to be a nickel in the, in the NFL. And I don't know if there's a better prospect going into the draft to play inside against those slots to play against a guy like KJ Hamler who's dynamic or Deshaun Jackson or you know these dynamic slot uh, receivers because true corners you know a lot of those guys struggle when you put them in the inside they, they can't handle a receiver that has a two-way go John Reed can handle that he's the best in the draft in my opinion all right that is Terry Smith uh, let me give you an idea on that and I think it's very interesting what he said when you're drafting a guy that is a, an absolutely fabulous corner but might not be adaptable to covering in the slot is Jeffrey Okuda. See, John Reed is adaptable to covering the slot. Now, Okuda is going to be drafted as a corner anyway, but I just want to point that out. Not everybody is comfortable flipping from corner to slot. Akuda is one of those guys. All right, we'll come back. More in a moment. Sal Palantonio, next half hour, final half hour, Charlie Casserly, here on News Radio 1070 WKOK, brought to you by Sunbury Motors.